Recipes for Grief, Heartfelt Storytelling for Feely Foodies. I'm your host, Andrea Sexton Dumas. Today on the podcast, I interview my brother-in-law, Pedro. He shares about the foods of his childhood living with his grandparents in Guatemala, like paches, maleta, and mole, or recados. We touch on U.S. imperialism, names, and why his children, Hugo Yasche and Nayeli Gloria, are Black bean babies. Pedro Navarro is an educator by trade, originally from Guatemala, now firmly rooted in Long Beach, California. He enjoys company with family and friends, yet appreciates time alone under the sun, running or tending to his plants and observing nature. Pedro, my brother, in law and in heart, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of the Recipes for Grief podcast. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for offering. Yeah. I'm glad to be sharing some words. Mm-hmm. Me too. So the first question that we ask every guest is, how have you been sleeping recently? Last night I slept pretty well. Mm-hmm. And it's been great to have y'all here mm-hmm. hanging out with us, uh, visiting Long Beach. Yeah. Um, I tend to sleep pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yes. And depending on the, the daily consumption, I'll... I'll have a good sleep or mm-hmm. deeper sleep or a lot of dreams kind of sleep. Mm. So I do enjoy sleeping. I know, I know that's right. Yes. <laughs> well, before we move on to food, do you have any dreams that you would be willing to share that have been particularly poignant? Um, sure. I feel like I always have dreams where I'm at a house and it's a new house and I'm always trying to find find out like where where I am in the house, exploring the house, um, even like hotels, just visiting, just going to places, finding interesting things in attics. I don't like to read too deep into my dreams. Um, so I don't know if it's like, you know, all my subconscious stuff, but, um, but it's fun. It's fun to explore these places when I have those houses dreams. Yeah. So speaking of houses, would you start off by telling us about your grandmother Ophelia's house in Casillas, Guatemala? Yes. So I moved a lot when I was uh, in, in Guatemala. I was born there in 1980 uh, to, uh, to a father who was involved in the revolutionary movement in Guatemala and to a mother who was also involved. Uh, they were pretty, pretty heavily integrated into the... Um, the communist socialist uh, revolution movement there in Guatemala. So we moved on, moved around a lot. Uh, and after my father passed away due to the war, he was, uh, he was taken by the military and tortured and disappeared. My mom decided to migrate to the United States mm-hmm. and she tried to bring us, or she, the idea was for, for her to bring the two of us, my sister Erica and I, along with her and cross the border uh, illegally but her, her brother said no. Um, he said, it's too dangerous. Let's just leave him um, with mom, with grandma. And that's how I ended up staying at my grandma's for two years when I was in kindergarten and first grade. Mm-hmm. And it was some of the, it, some of the best um, experiences ever. So connecting it to food, uh, my, my grandparents, my mother's uh, parents, they, uh, they own land. They, they had land, uh, ancestral land. Um, we're not necessarily uh, traditional indigenous. We're just mixed, uh, mixed people. 
but they were campesinos. They they were farm workers, um, but for them for themselves, mm-hmm. they didn't um, work for anybody else. They had their lands, and then um, and then they had their home, um, pretty big home, two houses put together. So long story uh, shorter is that. I got to grow up in that space for those two years of my life, mm-hmm. uh, some of my earliest memories, especially coming from the city of Guatemala, living in an apartment. We lived in a in a government housing that was for like semi-professional. So it was it wasn't like the lowest income, but it was it was nice. It was a nice um, apartment complex coming from there to living in in a farm town kind of place. It was it was great. Uh, so a lot of my memories are of seeing the chickens and their little chicks, uh, the ducks with their little little ducklings, just following them around, the the big um, turkeys, the male turkeys, uh, you know, fluttering their, their 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 feathers and chasing after the female turkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandpa bringing home the fresh corn from from the from from harvesting mm-hmm. uh, the fresh beans. Um, I remember cutting myself with a, with a sickle mm. uh, when I was out in the field with my grandpa. Um, and he had me do some do some uh, planting um, of corn. And I remember that day when I, I grabbed the sickle and little kid just didn't, didn't use it right and, and I cut myself. So those, those memories are really fond for me. Yeah. And that's the setting where I usually... Um, I don't know. I, I go back to, especially now that I plant trees and mm-hmm. and work with the with the earth a little bit. Um, I always remember my grandparents and all those stories that I remember uh, hearing from my grandma and her making the fresh tortillas, mm. um, grinding the corn. Just it was it was really good times. Yeah, yeah. And so you mentioned the black beans. It sounds like they grew them fresh. And then they would probably dry them in the sun. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So the black beans is a staple of Guatemala. Mm-hmm. So we, we, eat, we eat a lot of different types of beans mm-hmm. um, because there's also the white bean soup that my grandparents make. There's also the, 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 uh, the cold uh, bean um, and sausages, um, fiambre that my, my tia Erika makes. Mm-hmm. So the black beans... In Casillas, they were part of part of the, the just a general culture, mm-hmm. but the main black beans that I grew up eating and accustomed to, they're more from my my father's side, my grandma and mm-hmm. my father's side of the of the family. They were more about the traditional recipes of Guatemala and of their hometown of San Pedro Zacatepecas. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole other side of um, of Guatemala compared to where my mom is from. And they all met in the city, in the capital city, because that's where a lot of young people go for, for work and education after they grow up in the small towns. Mm-hmm. Um, so the black bean soup that I remember fondly was the one that my grandma used to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is your paternal grandma. This is my, my, my grandma, Ophelia. Yeah, which is always nice that we have those connections. And that's I heard, right. Because you have a family member named Ophelia. Yeah, and, my aunt Ophelia, that's right. And then I heard your other podcast, you mentioned that um, Dorothy, too. Yes, my yeah. my mother's mother was grandmother Dorothy, and nice. so who's Dorothy in your family? Is uh, my dad's sister. No way. Yes, I must was. have forgotten that. I feel like I had to have known it. Yeah, <laughs> and she was the the, the the anchor of the house mm, of the, the family. Yeah. Okay, 
Okay, so the the two different grandmothers prepared black beans in different ways. Yes. And so the black bean soup, tell us about that. So that's the black bean soup with a lot of li liquid. Mm -hmm. So it's black beans, um, and it's served really hot with a lot of with a lot of liquid, and you crack an egg on it. You crack an egg in it. Oh. So the egg cooks mm -hmm. inside of the the hot black bean soup, mm -hmm. and it's pretty nice because. You have those those contrast of colors. Yeah. You have the really dark black bean uh, water or, or soup. Um, you know, it's almost like blue, right? It's mm -hmm. like a blue, black, dark black beans, black bean water. And then you, you crack the egg, which turns white, you know, mm -hmm. as, as it's cooking. So so that was always something that I remember. Yeah. Uh, and then you the have that beans. beautiful golden, you know, yolk. Yeah. That ray of sunshine in the middle of your plate. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's one one connection of the black beans. But um, my mom then, she learned a lot from her her in-laws, mm -hmm. uh, my, my grandma, <clears throat> my grandma Ophelia's house, because she cooked a lot. And as she got older, they became more middle class. Her and uh, my aunt Dorothy, my aunt Dorothy is the one who um, who took who took care of my grandma, never married. Um, she. um they had a, a maid, an indigenous maid, which is part of the um, kind of the economic culture, I would say, in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. When people move up to the middle class, uh, professional class, like my, my dad's family did. They, they were lawyers, um, architects, uh, accountants. Uh, my aunt Erica is a principal. Uh, my aunt Dorothy uh, was an accountant for a bottling company, I was telling you. Mm -hmm. um, so they, were, they moved up the classes. Uh, whereas my mom's side of the family, they were uh, rural landowners. They were by no means um, poor, but they came from a more like country education. Mm -hmm. Whereas my father's family, they came more from a university education. So in any case, my, my mom uh, starts to learn a lot from, from grandma and from Rosa, um, the, the live-in maid who, who did a lot of the cooking after grandma uh, got older. So, so yes, yeah, so then Rosa and Grandma used to make a lot of traditional dishes. Mm -hmm. um, the beef tongue in a green sauce, that was really, really good. Um, it's like a stew. Mm -hmm. It's like a, um, um, like a mole, like a lot of moles. That's okay. what she made, the, the cow head that I had told you about. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing the cow head just being purchased. And then they, I think it was a lot of the, the tissue, like the skin tissue. Yeah. The ears that would um that would get made into this adobo, mm. I think is what it's called adobo, really brown thick stew or okay. or not even stew. What is it called? Like a recado? What is it called? Like a like a mole? Okay. What what, do you, what would you call that? What is that called? Like the mole consistency? Yeah, of, of it's sauce. like a it's like a thick sauce. Yeah, thick sauce. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And with the really dark meat of the pig's head. Mm -hmm. Pig or cow? Really, or both? Pig. Oh, pig. Okay. This is a pig's cow. Oh, pig's head. Yes. Okay. Pig's head. Oh, and she used to also make uh, my grandma Ophelia. Uh, my, my grandma who made the tortillas in the, the, the rural family, that's grandma um, uh, Virginia. Mm, okay. Yeah, abuelita. So they're both abuelita. So that's grandma Virginia who died uh, in her 90s mm -hmm. here in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, who went to your wedding. That's right. Yes, yes. And my grandma, Ophelia, she passed way early. She passed in her 70s yeah. um, from cancer. But, you know, going in different different directions. But yes, going back, coming back to those recipes at grandma's and thinking about the, the pig, 
here eating eating like pig's head or anything is very it's not it's not as common right yeah uh, pig's brains are really not common here mm-hmm. right some mexican taco places they do the the pig's cheek and all that stuff pig head too but um what i'm trying to get at is this other dish pig's brains okay in a red sauce mm. and that looked like not red like like a blood red but more like um like a fluorescent kind of red. Oh, wow. I think the consistency of the brain... And, the, and it wasn't... So, the brains weren't like so cooked. They were slimy. Oh, wow. They were slimy and a red sauce. And I was a little kid and I, and I had to eat all that. Yeah. And I, did you enjoy it as You a know, child? the pig's head was, was not as easy to enjoy. Okay. But um, everything else I did. Okay. Yes, yes. But yeah, that was those... And, and, and then they would also make little tamales. But these are... Um, these are little side tamales. Okay. They're only... Um, uh, they're they're like a they're like instead of a tortilla, so they're just a little tamale tamal um, of corn dough inside of the the banana leaf, and they're small. Okay. And they're not they're not they don't have a lot of condiment or they do but you know the masa still condiment uh, you know with uh, flavorings and such but there's no meat okay. there's no vegetables in it it's just the it's like a tortilla. But, but in steamed in the banana leaf yes. instead of cooked yes. on the comal. Yes, and it's not a tortilla. Right. I'm just saying it takes the place of the tortilla. Right. Yes, because then you just yeah. kind of dip it in the in the black beans, the pureed black beans too. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that we eat a lot. Like, yeah, I want to get to those pureed black beans. Yes. So, so the side tamal, it's the same ingredient as a tortilla, but cooked differently, so therefore it has a different texture. Is that fair to say? The only the only comparison to the tortilla is that you eat it on the side of your of your mole or your your okay. dish, just like you would with the tortilla. Okay. But it's a tamal. Fair enough. But they're really small. They're probably uh, smaller than a modern cell phone. Um, so they're small. Okay. Yes. Okay. And and they're really um, the consistency is like kind of like snaps a little bit in your mouth. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to explain. But yeah, so that those are little tamales. Yeah. In, the green, in the green leaf and uh, they come out green too because of the green leaves yeah so yeah so that was another connection that, mm-hmm. you know you eat the, the the pig's meat with the you know the little tamal on the side and yeah rice yeah. Mm-hmm. so always serve with rice a lot of these dishes yes yes yes, yes. rice is just such a wonderful staple all around oh, you know yeah. so much of the world not like in like Europe oh, and yeah. Northern European but um, yeah so before we return to the black beans, I want to ask you about the tamales that I've eaten by the hand of oh, your yes. sister, because yes. they're so different than what we're used to here in California. Yes. You know, the tamales or tamales that we have here in California are made with masa, which is the ground cornmeal. Yes. But your family makes them with potato. Yes. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So that's a recipe that my mom brought into the house from her in-laws again so a lot of the a lot of the foods that my mom which she wasn't necessarily a dedicated cook she she just cooked to you know (laughs) to feed the family to feed my you know my stepdad who's never gonna touch anything in the kitchen and make himself a sandwich he would always mom would always Mm -hmm. have to come home from from work cleaning people's houses he came home from work and building furniture, um, mm-hmm. you know, industrial furniture. Uh, so they're both both tired, but then she had that second shift. Mm-hmm. So in any case, she, uh, you know, she 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 was known for her dishes like the black beans, mm-hmm. 
uh, pureed black beans, and the paches. So yes. the paches are the, the tamales that she that she learned from. Um, they're, they're part of the tradition in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. They're one of many tamales in Guatemala. Right. So they are made with masa and potatoes, uh, okay. boiled potatoes, peeled, uh, mixed, um, and with a red sauce, mm-hmm. which turns orange once the tamales are steamed in the um, banana leaf. Mm-hmm. So these are probably my favorite tamales mm-hmm. of, of all. You put a little bit of, a little piece of chicken or a little piece of pork, uh, boiled, nothing too too flavored, uh, a little strip of, um, of chile for decoration and, and flavor, but they come out uh, orange. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they're potato uh, and masa okay. mixed together. And um, and and they pour the 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 sauce that's mm. made for it, and that and that's mixed. So then the masa has the sauce in it, whereas the other tamales, mm-hmm. you would just pour the sauce just like a kind of like a like a stripe. Okay. This the salsa is mixed with the dough. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mixed so all together. Masa. Yes, mm-hmm. masa and potatoes. Yes, mm-hmm. and steamed in the in the. Banana leaf. Yeah, and those yeah. are your favorite. When was the last time you had one of those? Um, I think my sister made some recently. Oh, good. Yeah, my Erica? sister Erica. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's she's taking that on, um, that tradition. But yeah, so the tamales are made, uh, for holidays, for mm-hmm. special occasions, as as most most families make the tamales for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one tricky, one interesting part about the the rice you brought up, and tamales. When Ugo was born, mm-hmm. my son. Our firstborn, my aunt Erica, she was she came to the United States to to come see us. They all, her and grandma, uh, right. grandma Virginia, my mom, my aunts, a couple of cousins, and and not my sisters because they weren't. Um, my sister was in Mexico. In any case, Hugo's born first, you know, firstborn boy, yeah. especially the boy. Uh-huh. So they all come up, drive up to to Oakland. They make the the rice tamales mm. because that's the tradition uh, for my aunt's part of the family, my dad's part of the family. You make you make the rice tamales uh, when there's a when there's a boy born. Oh, yeah. Oh, so the rice tamales are for the boy. <laughs> for the boy birth, yes. For the boy birth. Oh, that's interesting. So that's an interesting recipe that doesn't have any um, any masa in it. Yeah. It's made from from rice. Oh wow. Yes, yeah, from white rice. Now, and we're going to talk about Ugi in just a second, but do you know if the tamal is made from, like, cooked rice? I'm wondering if, like, the the rice is ground and then cooked, so it's more like a sticky mm. porridge. Like, do you have any idea? Yeah, I have I have recollections of, of the process. Okay. Kind of vague. Yeah. But, um... But I think you're right. I think it's it's soaked. Mm-hmm. The, the white rice is soaked. Short grain, I think, is like very standard rice. It's soaked and then it's ground, I think. Okay. And then somehow made into a yeah, a, the tamale. Yeah, a tamale. Yeah. So they, those come out really white. Uh huh. Like really bright white because most masa corn masa mm-hmm. it takes on the color of the of the the, the banana leaf. Mm-hmm. But this one takes on more of its own. Color and then those are a little bit sweeter, mm. so that's a sweeter tamal. Oh, interesting. Yes, and and that comes with a another mole type of sauce. Um, I just keep calling all these sauces mole, uh, but they're recados. Okay. Um, and that one is is made with really dark peppers. 
Mm. Yes, I think I would like say a dark like green pepper. No, dark um, like um, like dried peppers. Oh, okay. Kind of yeah. like similar to how people make mole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Which that, is why and, you keep calling it mole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, those are the moles of Guatemala, and with um, dates. Oh. Yes. So dates. I think there may be some um, some raisins mm-hmm. in the recipe, some nuts mm-hmm. too. So that's that's the rice tamale. Okay, when yes, the when tamale. the boy is born. When the boy is born, yes. And so I remember, I remember when Uva was born. You know, your whole family came up. You guys had a a one bedroom. I think mm-hmm. you were renting that little house, little casita. That was uh, after. Before yes. Okay. Okay. Uva was born in the small apartment off of um off of MacArthur. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's and, right. Uh, I'm I'm blanking out on the name of that area. We were like yeah. on the cuts of a nicer neighborhood, so yeah. we had to really walk far to get into the nicer neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was that was a cutty apartment at the end of the day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So that was all a tiny, its neighborhoods. Yeah, tiny one bedroom. Yes. Yeah, the tiny one bedroom, and your whole family came up, mm-hmm. and I remember like, I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up because it, I know how Ugo's birth changed me. Mm. And so just thinking about the way that your family responded, oh, yeah. you know, Pedro has a son. And so they all come up and they slept on the floor. Oh, yeah. Right. It's like we will be here no matter what to oh, celebrate yeah. this. Yes. And so I, I want to talk about this because I remember the first time I met Ugo, I was in the hospital room and I was holding him. And for the first time in my life, I felt unconditional love. Hmm. Like, I will love him no matter what. He doesn't Hmm. have to be smart. He doesn't have to be cool. He doesn't have to be successful. All that mattered to me in that moment is that he existed. Oh, yeah. And that's so profound Mm -hmm. because you think you know what love is. Right. Yeah. You, you know, we love our parents. We love our, our partners. We love our friends and our families. But, you know, Ugo made me a tia. He made mm-hmm. me an auntie. Oh, yeah. And it expanded my heart in a way I didn't even know was possible. Hmm. So. Oh, that's so, so nice that you, you've made such a strong connection with Ugo. Oh, he's and my I know, baby. And I know, yeah. <laughs> and I know I've, I've heard I've heard the references to to. Um, to those those memories with with food with him too right oh absolutely Uh, you know when i was working on that roll recipe y'all came up for you know thanksgiving autumn harvest i'm trying to (laughs) rebrand it in my heart in my mind and um we were hosting and i know ugo loves bread well, we all love bread. I mean, what else? But oh, yeah. I just wanted him to be impressed. You know, mm. I was like, I made turkey. I made cornbread stuffing. I made all this other stuff. And I was like, I don't give a rip. If anything doesn't work, it's fine. But mm. those rolls had to be on point. Yeah. And I was so stressed about it. He stayed the night at our house yeah. the day before. So he kind of helped me. He was young enough at that time. He must have been 10 or 11. Hmm. Yeah, he was 10 or 11. Yeah, because it's recent. He's That's right, yeah, because he's 12 yeah, now. He'll be 12. 13. And, um, you know, he helped me a little bit. He wasn't super duper into it. 
But the next day when I took the rolls out of the oven, I'm like, Ugo, come, come. You know, they're like a little too hot to eat, but you can't not eat it. Hmm. And his eyes got so big after his first bite. Hmm. And I just remember feeling like I made it. Oh, yeah. Like this is all I ever wanted in life was to have that look because Hmm. I made something with my hands. And this, you know, small human loves it. Oh, yeah. What a compliment. Especially because kids are hella picky. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, look, we all love bread, but like it just. And that recipe had had significance for you, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm not going to ever feed my child this, Mm. but Ugo loves it. And Ugo knows that his tia can make these rolls for him. Oh, yes. And that's, that's it. It's like, okay. Oh, I love my baby so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I just want to say this out loud because it's funny because it's like he's 12 now. And mm-hmm. so he's at that age where it's like, yeah, you know, Tia and Tio aren't that cool right now unless they're playing, you yeah. know, video games or basketball or something. And that's fine because it's beautiful to watch him grow up. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's a highlight of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're uh, black bean babies. That's right. Yes. yes. <laughs> so let's talk about those pureed black beans because that's another yeah. thing I had never had. You yeah. know, normally you have just either cooked black beans or quote unquote refi- refried. Uh-huh. But your family completely purees it. Yes. Yeah. So there's the runny type. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the um, volteados, which are a little bit more like like fried, like uh, okay. like refried uh, beans, but they're made into what we call maleta, and maleta is a it's a luggage, is oh. is a like a suitcase. Your, yeah, oh. picture your suitcase, right? Even like your your small maletín, your small little um, duffel bag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a uh, compacted, right? Mm-hmm. So then the black beans that are very traditional in Guatemala, and there's a brand that that has carried them for for years too called Ducal. Um, which, you know, we also eat those like, like canned, um, ducal beans, which are, are really good too. Um, so those are uh, pureed and then, um, tossed in a pan with oil mm-hmm. until they compact into, uh-huh. a, into a maleta. So those are also very delicious. Mm-hmm. And those are eaten with, uh, with fresh cheese, like the crumbly cheese mm. and sour cream. Okay. And the plantains. Oh, yes. Yes. And then there's also the stuffed plantains, the sweet uh, dessert. It's mashed up plantains. And you make that into like a little, little tortilla, a little, little dough. Um, and then stuff it with, uh, with the black beans mm. inside. And then you make the ball. And then you refry those. Uh, sprinkle sugar on top. Mm-hmm. And that's another black bean um, related kind of little snack. Um, those are called... Um, Oh, I just blanked out on the name. But they're they're a dessert. Okay. And that's the black beans. Mm, so yes. versatile, the black oh, bean. Yeah. 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 Mm, so your babies are black bean babies. And let me tell you why. Yes. Because then Shannon Your wife. Took my wife, she um she took on that recipe for my mom. That's right. So for me, the um the the frying of the onions Coming home and smelling mm. that growing up 
uh, at my mom's. And then now the Shannon, she she really used to make black beans in the in the um, pressure cooker. Yeah, you eat them just every like, day. Yeah, yeah, just like uh, my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, so my my wife took on the recipe from her in laws. Just like your mother did. Just like my mom did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my my wife, Shannon, she found sisterhood with my sister. Yeah. Just like my mom did. With her sister-in-laws, yeah. like Matia Erika, her and 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 Matia Erika were very close. Um, Matia Erika still still cries when she remembers her because she misses her so much. Yeah. Um, and they were like sisters, but they were in-law sisters. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So the kids, um, some of their first meals are, uh, hard, you know, solid food is avocado and black beans. So so many pictures of Nayeli, you know, now Nayeli. <laughs> With all the black beans uh, all, all over, over her face. face. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just, yeah, just doing that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so the smell of the, of the, um, the onions, yeah. um, to get the beans ready and, uh, to refry them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's when you get into the refry. Yeah. It's the, the, the onions. Yeah. And that's the smell that gets you. Yeah. And they go into, till they're burnt. Okay. Till they're like crispy, like black. Mm. And then that's when you incorporate the beans and. So that's a, that's the, a very flavorful onion. Oh yeah, uh-huh. and the onions just kind of disappear. So, so yeah. it's a white onion. Yeah. Yeah. So those are okay. the runny beans. And so I want to talk about your children's names because both of them were named from the heart, truly. So Ugo was named after your father. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the questions that I have about that, I was thinking about your father's family, you know, kind you know, architects and principals and all mm-hmm. of this, but he was a revolutionary. Yeah. How did that fit into the family dynamic? Like, did they support him or were they kind of mm. like, no, go get a regular job? I think they, he was the youngest Okay. of a family of estimating maybe like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. So I think he, he was maybe more privileged that he didn't have to grow up in the older days when, when a lot of them were still trying to get their degree. Some of the women, um, Matia Erika being one of the eldest, she had to work really hard for the, for the boys to get their degrees and, and for them to, to establish themselves once they moved from, from the, from the small city to, um, to the big capital city. Uh, so she tells me about it. They would carry the, um, they would sell textiles at the market and they would, they would just get up really early in the morning and, and, and take it out and sell it while the boys were going through, through law school, school and, and all of that, wow. business school and all that. So I think it was more of, they knew that my dad was on that path cause he was always that revolutionary minded person mm-hmm. and, um, they just accepted it, but they, they were very concerned yeah. because People were dying. People were yeah. getting killed. Um, but he he made he he made a contribution, I think, and he mm-hmm. was very well known um, in the leadership of the party there. And um, he got to travel a lot. He went to Russia. He went to Germany. My mom got to go to Germany as well. Um, Eastern Germany, the socialist bloc. They went to Cuba. They would take us to Mexico City. We had some family in Mexico City too who had fled the war in Guatemala, mm. they were um, tailors, uh, two men, mm-hmm. uh, my grandma's brothers, my grandma Ophelia's brothers. So, so yes, so um, 
that brings me to those experiences too that are very vague in my memory. Mm-hmm. But I remember visiting their shops as tailors. And later on, my mom shared that my dad was a little bit selfish because he, like, we were just a cover for him to smuggle guns across from Mexico to Guatemala. Mm-hmm. So they saw him as a family, family man with two children, a wife, and what they were hiding in the trunk was um, propaganda and revolutionary propaganda, which that's the name of it. It's, yeah. you know, in English, it has a bad connotation, but propaganda, you know, things to share, yeah. to spread, spread the word and, and guns. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, yeah, a bit of a tangent, but yes, that was uh, our experience going back and forth to Mexico, mm-hmm. which is how I feel that I've always had a connection to Mexico City mm-hmm. and I got to go study abroad there for a year. Um, so going back to the, the naming of my son, when I got to college, I became very revolutionary minded. Mm-hmm. It was right after um, the 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that war broke out by the United States uh, with the pretext of 9-11. Yeah. Uh, George W. Bush is in office and all the rhetoric that came with that. Uh, so I became very involved, um, organized with um, Palestinian and Middle Eastern folks and Asian folks. So I became very, very radical at that time as a young person, uh, very involved in that, going to Chiapas, going to visit the Zapatistas. So for me, my dad became uh, a role model and in kind of this, this, um, this legend, this hero that I don't even remember because mm. I was four years old when he was taken away. Wow. So of course, my first son, I'm going to name him Ugo. Yeah. But coincidence and not so much, my stepdad is also Ugo. That's right. His name is Victor Ugo. But my sister Erica and I, we only refer to him as Victor mm. because everybody else calls him Ugo. Mm. But for me, it's like, there's no, only one. Not. There's only, only one Ugo. Ugo. <laughs> only one, not for my mom. That's right. For my mom, it was like two Ugos. And then there was a Now third. she got three Ugos. And she got three, That's yes. Right. yes. So, so, yeah, so that was a little bit bittersweet. I think my, my stepdad, um, even at my graduation from UC Davis, I... It was a Chicano graduation, so we each got to say a speech uh, in front with our family members, and I just kept going off about my dad. Mm. Rest in power, and you know, like, this for you, dad. And then while my stepdad is sitting in the, in the, in the audience, and my mom told me, like, yeah, he felt a little, mm. a little, a little this, because he's been here all these years, and you, right. didn't, you didn't shout, out, shout him out. But in any case, um, yeah, so that's Hugo. Uh, Hugo is... Uh, after my dad and to some extent after my stepdad because he was he was there yeah um and then yashche so yashche is the indigenous um making the connection mm-hmm. to his indigenous roots um and that means the seba tree mm. and the seba tree is the kapok or the um, now in that in that movie um uh is that character in that movie too um the gardens of the galaxy Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a kapok. Um, kapok is more like in the in the Caribbean. That's the name of the seba tree, and the seba tree is um, highly regarded by the Mayan people. It's a very tall tree. It reaches, you know, into the sky. Has a very uh, big crest. Right, mm. crest is the top, right? Mm-hmm. And they make they 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 make the connection of the tree. How the tree connects the the spirit world, the underground, the human world is the trunk, and then the crest is the 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 universe. 
so it just connects all those dimensions oh. uh, for the people so then the the kapok the seba tree it's also called yashche so mm. yashche is the the mayan name that he has as a middle name mm. i don't yeah. think i knew that yeah. yeah 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 and your daughter you gave her the name nayeli oh yes nayeli gloria yeah that was just sent from somewhere absolutely and you know as a as a classroom teacher i've worked in the latino community for you know a lot of the public schools are mostly latino um, african-american minority but majority um, latino students so in all those years 17 years of teaching i've never had a nayeli in my class Mm -hmm. that's the connection i'm trying to make like i don't know where that name like i I had heard it, but I don't think it was, I don't, I don't even really recall where the name Nayeli popped into my head. Yeah. Of course, it's a known name. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not so, so unknown like Yashche. Um, so yeah, so Nayeli comes into my head and I share it with, with Shannon as she's pregnant and she says, yes, that's the name. That's the name. And it means I love you mm-hmm. in Zapotec. That's and, right. Yes. In a Nahuatlized um Zapotec language because mm-hmm. the Nahuatl uh, or the Nahuatl is the language of the Aztecs or the Mexica okay. and um they were they were the dominant group in that central Mexico area they conquered a lot of neighboring lands um so they became kind of like the lingua franca was the the Nahuatl um so so yeah so uh, Nayeli comes from a Zapotec um name but Nayeli, as it sounds and as it's spelled, it's it's more Nahuatlized or okay. more like, you know, made into more like a mainstream uh, language. Yeah, yes. yeah. And the the poignancy of her name, you know, it's so beautiful, beautiful because every time we say her name, mm-hmm. we're saying "I love you." Oh yes. And I I I see this. I don't know if you do, but I see it as a two way street, mm. right? Like we love her, and then she loves back. Oh, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for the listeners, the reason why this is so um, important is because Nayeli died mm-hmm. when she was seven. Right? Yeah. Seven? Yeah, she transitioned. Yeah. Yeah, she battled cancer for four years. Uh, she was diagnosed at right before turning uh, four. So she was three and in about 10 months yeah and then she died at seven in about 10 months mm-hmm. yeah 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 and she was fierce i mean she's, oh she's she was one of my my main teachers in, in life um yeah she was really hardcore and she had this loud voice as yes. you remember she was a very uh strong-headed kind of kid mm-hmm. um very strong surface but also very tender emotionally inside yeah. when very she cracked sensitive. Yeah. yeah very sensitive but um but yeah, she was um, she was something else. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we would visit, and she'd be in the hospital, and then she, you know, sit with her legs crossed, and she'd be like, "I'm meditating." And she's mm-hmm. like five. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, she had that old soul kind of absolutely kind of things that she would say, and yeah, her memory was on point. She learned how to read on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just decoded the language and started reading, and she would go through books. So yeah, so Nayeli is one of our, one of our our, our guiding lights. Absolutely. And yeah, and she was a black bean baby. Yeah. She loved her black bean burritos. Yes, yeah, she did. She loved her Lola's black bean burritos. <laughs> and then, Shout out to Lola's in Long Beach. Yeah, and then 
um, in Hollywood, we used to get her the um, homestay, homestay burritos. Mm-hmm. It's a little spot that's famous out there. People probably know about it from that area. Um, so, yeah, so she was it. So I'm, I see this picture in my head of her face covered with black beans as a yeah. little baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also one of Sean's favorite pictures. Oh, yeah. Just smeared all over her face. Oh, and yeah. She could not have been happier. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you use the word transitioned. And so I want to talk about that because she's very much still with you all. Yeah. She's def- like she's here, but she's transitioned to a different form. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That's why if people ask me, oh, you have kids. Yes, I have two. Yeah. And then I, you know, I, I don't mind sharing. I get into the conversation and I and I do it just to continue her presence. Yeah. Um, not so much to just share my pain and, and my, you know, my loss, but also it's a gain too because yeah. uh, we got to know her for that long. And, and it's just unfortunate that that we uh, weren't able to to um, to see her in this in this world. Yeah. For longer than than those seven years. That's right. Yeah. Rest in peace, Nayeli. Rest in I peace. I love you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm crying, but I'm going to share. We talked about this yesterday. One of my favorite memories of her. I mean, again, like she just had such a strong personality. Mm-hmm. She always made an impression. Um, but our last Christmas all together. So this is must have been 2018. No. It was before COVID. So probably that 2019. Then? Yeah, that must have been 2019. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't know what was happening yet. And, you know, so the extended family came down, you know, so mm. Frank and Marna, mm-hmm. Nick and Stephanie. Oh, yeah. And Sean. Yeah. So we were all here Karaoke. together, which is rare. Mm-hmm. It's always it's not often that we're all together and we were doing karaoke. And someone put on Baby Got Back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by Sir Mix a lot. And Nayeli was singing Baby Got Back in the style of metal. It was <laughs> <Yeah>. great. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was did have a metal kind of, yeah. kind of voice. Yeah, yeah. She was like screaming into the microphone. I love butts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big butts. Big butts. That's right. Let's be specific. I like big butts. Uh-huh. And I cannot lie. <laughs> and I cannot yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, and that yeah. was another that was a, another joke that carried on with Sean, right? That's like, right. Yeah. Yeah, my Sean husband the, Shannon's brother. Sean the jokester. Yes. She, she up upped one on him. Is yeah, that the expression? She did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she crushed him with jokes. Crushed him with yeah. jokes. That's right. <laughs> yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, we got to give a shout out Nayeli's middle name, Gloria. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Sean and Shannon's well. mother. Yeah, please. Yeah, well, just them both carrying those grandparents and yeah, uh, yeah, and especially Gloria, another one that that we lost. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately for me, I didn't get to meet her. I don't know if you did. No, I didn't. Yeah. She died when Sean was still in high school. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't get to see that light, mm-hmm. um, which we hear so much about. So yeah, so Gloria, and that was because uh, Ben, um, Shannon's Shannon's dad. Mm-hmm. You know, Grandpa Ben, um, he was really pushing for Gloria as, as Nayeli's name. Mm-hmm. And Shannon was not having it. I, I, I was down for it, especially after naming my son, you know, our son, Ugo, after my dad. So it's nice that they carry they carry a, um, a parental, a, a family name. Mm-hmm. I carry Pedro, uh, Pedrito. Uh, that's my, my, my grandma Ophelia's dad, who mm-hmm. I still got to meet, a marimba player. 
Uh, I have this uh, vinyl. Uh, and my dad took on the 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 war name nom de guerre, right? Like something like that. Uh, his war name was uh, Pedrito. Mm. Yeah, so that was his that was his pseudonym uh, for the movement, and they named me Pedro, and they called me Pedrito growing up. Mm. And now I work at a school where we go by first names. All the staff go by first names. Oh really? And some of the kids started calling me Pedrito. And, and I felt very endeared by it. So I love it when people call me Pedrito because that's, yeah. um, that's a family name. Because yeah. that's when my dad went by Pedrito. He was a little guy too, a shorty like me. My, my, my dad's family were known for being very short. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Pedrito kind of fits us. And my, my tío Rudy is also Pedro. But the main Pedritos are myself, uh, my dad, and, and great-grandpa. Mm. Yeah. So then it's nice that the kids also get to carry that on. Mm-hmm. Nayeli Gloria and, and Hugo. Yes, yeah. 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 That's that was one of the weird things about, you know, you and I and then our spouses as siblings mm-hmm. because there weren't a lot of living parents. That is true. And now there's I mean now there's none. You know, you've mm-hmm. been married for how long? Uh about thirteen years. Thirteen years, yeah. And we've been married for eleven. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we started out, we had Grandpa Ben mm-hmm. and your mom, Selena. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, it's the four of us. And yeah. Be. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, of know. course, Frank and Marna and everyone else. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's what's nice uh, with Marna and, and Frank. Yeah. That I feel that they they represent some of that. Um, the, you know, the the missing grandparents. Yeah. Um, that's why Marna is such a sweetheart. And, yeah. You know, Frank is, is sweet in his own way. <laughs> yeah. No, he's great. <laughs> Because he might, he's going to hear this. Uh, okay. No, no, but it's nice uh, to have Marna as, you know, somebody that Shannon can talk to and mm-hmm. we can go visit and she's there for Ugo and yeah. 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 It's been great. And also it's been great to be welcome into y'all's family. Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah. For I all mean, of us. look, you know, I remember when Sean and I got married and I wanted your family there. I mean, as, as oh, someone yeah. who doesn't have, nice. I mean, I have a huge family, but my nuclear family was very small. Uh-huh. I'm an only child as far as far as I know. And, um, you know, the people who raised me, so my parents, my grandmother, and my Aunt Ophelia had already died. Hmm. If there was any chance in hell, I could have brought, you know, my parents to your wedding. And in fact, I did bring my sister, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. shout out to Sister Danielle. Um, Yeah, I I wanted your family there at our wedding. It made so, it was so important to me to just have that, like, we are now family. Yeah, that was really nice. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do all right together. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and Grandma Regina, she loved to travel. She loved to be included. So it was so, so nice for her to be there. I danced with her at your wedding and that's a highlight for me, you know, And, and also when you talk about your mother and your grandmother and your stepfather you know, it's nice that I know who you're talking about. Oh, yeah. You know? Very true. Yeah. Yeah, that's the connection we all have. And yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's oh, yeah. right. Yeah, I, for some reason, I want to come back to the house on the farm. This is, I don't know why, but mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, do you ever long for that? Like the feeling that you had when you were living with your grandparents for those couple years. Do you ever long to go back to that house? Like, of course, it's different now. Oh yeah, but what's that? What's that feeling like to the land? Yeah, I. It's romanticized, probably in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, but it's full of. Full of great memories, 
do I long to go back and live in Casillas? I don't know. I think I might have given it a shot because my mom had a house there on the on the plot, and now all the all the sons and daughters they have built their their own house on that plot where the big house was, where we all grew up. Um, so now that's just full of modern small houses like condos mm. uh, they've all built. So my mom left me that house when she passed. And I recently sold it to my to my cousin, who was also living there when when I was um, living there. Mm-hmm. So would I would I want to live there? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think I might have given it a shot if I wouldn't have gotten married and, and started a family, mm-hmm. especially because I was in that radical space where going back to you know my roots and like my, my country and you know after U.S. imperialist. Um, yeah, which I see it differently now. I'm very comfortable <laughs> under under the, the wing of U.S. capitalism. <laughs> you know, it's comfy to have a job that pays you and That's medical right. benefits, yeah. which I wouldn't have had the same opportunities over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but which is which is um, interesting. I don't know if ironic is the irony, mm-hmm. but uh, my dad was very anti-U.S. imperialism because of his because of his uh, life, um, and and we are here. Yeah. And he would have never, never brought us here. So mm-hmm. so through death is how we end up in some of these situations. And and if my mom wouldn't have moved here, if she, if I would have moved here with my mom at the age of uh, six or, or five, instead of uh, going to Casillas, I would be a totally different person. Absolutely. So while living with grandma represents the loss of my mom too, because we had just lost my, my dad, yeah. and then my mom moves moves away. Yeah. And she leaves us there. So now I'm a little kid with no parents. Yep. And and she would take forever to come and visit because of, you know, money and, and and legality issues. So she would come every now and then and I would be like, Who are you? You know, mm. like she 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 would remind me of those those moments when I would say, No, I don't know you anymore. Wow. Um so yeah, so that's what some of that represents. But I was still nourished. I was a little kid, um, I was the youngest one in the house. Uh, so grandma was very loving, very strong, and uh, and grandpa too. I remember grandpa passing out drunk. He was a big drunky, but he was a peaceful one. And I remember just you know laying next to him on the ground and and just kind of consoling him. Mm. Yeah. So and I remember the the cows at night. I remember the ghost stories that my grandma used to tell me about the Siwanaba and the Yorona and the Duende. So that was pretty scary too. I couldn't, you know. Sleep was tough sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> under those circumstances. The they cows. weren't the friendly ghosts. Yeah. And then the cows and making all the noises at night. So I have those fun memories. Mm-hmm. Yes. Riding a horse and seeing uh, fresh milk. Yeah. My grandma used to make cheese, sour cream. Wow. All of that. Oh, and she had a big, oh, talking about the oven. Uh, she had a big wood burning oven where she would make cornbread. Mm. Oh, yeah. It was really good because cornbread is a big um, staple in Guatemala too. Mm. Uh, so yeah so I remember that from grandma too yeah and I remember her you know was cooking with the logs and one day the grandpa got a little a little out of hand because he was kind of kind of tipsy she said you know what she picked up the log <laughs> on the forehead so that's another fond memory of, of grandma she said hell no you, you can talk mm-hmm. to me like that that's right yeah and he and that was that was the only time I saw them do that wow but yeah he was he was definitely under her <laughs> under her tip. she was she was the boss yeah 
And that was the little grandma that, that walked the, from all the way from Dooley's, Long Beach, all the way to church every day. Wow. You know, this connection to Guatemala and then also this distance, right? This, yes. You know, you're not, and I've said this about myself a thousand times, I don't know if I'm the person that my parents wanted me to be. Yeah. You know, I huh. because, because they were sick and then they died, hmm. I've had a lot of space to become my own person. Hmm. I'm not religious like they wanted me to be. I'm not mm. quiet and well-mannered like my grandmother wanted me to be. I just mm. kind of, I'm like, I'm neat, whatever, oh, you know? Yeah. And I like me. I, in the past, I've wondered, like, would they like me? I know that they would love mm. me, but would they like who I became? And so for me, it's a very, like, loving and also griefful sentiment, right? Mm. That, like, my parents didn't have as strong a hand in who I became as most kids who live mm. with their parents until they're 18. Oh, yeah. You know, I also moved around a lot just like you. Mm. So I first, I guess I want to ask, is that, is that like a, like a loving, griefful thing for you as well? Like, do you ever think about that sort of thing? The fact of, of, um, my parents and, and. Yeah. Well, the, like how you, I love what you yeah. said that like, I'm comfortable yeah. under capitalism. Like yeah. it's given me a good life compared to that of my parents, my yeah. grandparents you know, and so it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying, especially having that, those memories and understanding of who my father was. Mm -hmm. Would he be proud of me of, of saying those kind of statements, right? Right. Of me, uh, would he be proud of me of having established myself here, married in, in an American mm -hmm. uh, cultured person uh, in Shannon? I think he would. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'm still, I'm still carrying on the legacy through my work as Absolutely. a teacher, through my personality with with other people, with Ugo. I think, and sometimes I don't think in those terms. Okay. Because I'm comfortable being me and just living, you know, just in in this time and space, and not really feeling like I owe anybody anything, or mm. or that you know, I make I'm trying to make somebody proud, or mm. what ifs. Um, so yeah, just trying to maybe make myself proud and figure out how to improve myself and, and the little things that I need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You've given yeah. me a lot of food for thought, Pedro. Right. <laughs> nice, nice. And so my, you know, food. the final question, mm, the final question that I ask every guest, and actually, let me, before we even get to that, mm -hmm. are there are there any other things that are on your heart or on your tongue that you would like to share? Um. I think just the fact that, I don't know, the food is is such a strong binding agent to memory, mm -hmm. just to, for lack of better words. So for me, going back to mostly my childhood in Guatemala and just attaching all these all these memories to, to food and acknowledging, too, that American cultural imperialism hit Guatemala and how that influenced us as well. Mm -hmm. with the highly processed foods and how that started to rear its head when I was there. Yeah. And now it's even more. But how that also influenced our, our culture because food is is it's so global, mm -hmm. uh, even back then in the 80s. So foods that I was introduced to over there that are still eaten here, you know, they they, they I can still make those connections with people who grew up here mm -hmm. because of the same processed foods that we had over there with the brands from the United States. Yeah. 
like the little Kellogg's um, cereal boxes. Yeah. In the in the little aluminum bag that they came in. Mm-hmm. I have those memories. Corn puffs. I yeah. have those memories in Guatemala in the 80s. Whereas y'all had those memories in California yeah. in the same time. So yeah. So just I, I wanted to make that connection to that in Guatemala. We have a lot of the tradition. But then we were also hit very hard by by your U.S. culture imperialism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and not to label things such harsh Harsh terms, but that's what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, you know. And then we watched the the Pepsi commercials with um, with Michael Jackson's full video mm-hmm. uh, of Thriller, you know, and that's the connection Pepsi, mm-hmm. and then uh, watching Thriller on national Guatemalan TV. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was that's mm-hmm. another interesting part of of the the memories I have of Guatemala. But then moving yeah. here too is just moving to Long Beach was also um, very very um, eye-opening because then I became, I was uh, exposed Mm -hmm. to international, like Filipino, uh, Cambodian, Laos, Mm -hmm. Laotian, Samoan, Mm -hmm. um, African-American, Mexican, Salvadorian. So, so yeah, so place and time uh, and food Mm -hmm. just, just makes those kind of like three-dimensional connections. Yeah. Yeah. You know, knowing that like grief and love are so intertwined, we you don't have one without the other. Mm. They they work in tandem. What is your life recipe for having the capacity to hold both? Like, what do you? How do you metabolize grief? How do you metabolize love? How do you take care of your emotional mm. self, Pedro? I don't know. I I hope that I that I'm not just bottling it up all inside. Because I feel like there's times when I can cry and and really let out some of that emotion, especially after, you know, most directly losing Ayeli. Um, but I feel that um, I don't know. I think uh, maybe I'm not taking care of it. Mm. Maybe I'm just being too uh, too passive about it. Mm. Um, and I just I just go on every day. But I think how did how did I accept the loss of of Nayeli? If we're talking about grief, um, because what else am I going to do about it, right? Yeah. I'm not going to live in a in a space where I'm just going to beat myself down over things outside of my control and and just fade and things happen. So how do I manage? Uh, by counting the blessings that I have. Mm. Uh, you know, living in a comfortable home at a comfortable price, having family like y'all and my sisters and having work, fulfilling work and being able to go outside and look at trees and smell fresh air. Yeah. So that's, that's really, you know, I love my dogs and my son and yeah. Yeah. And Shannon. So yeah. Yeah. Having the blessing of, of having a partner that's, that's easy to get along with, you know, for the most part and, and loyal. Mm-hmm. So that's how I process the grief uh, through acknowledging the love. That we yeah. Have. Yeah. Well, I just want to point out, I see this from the outside. Maybe it doesn't feel like this for you on the inside. But what about your art? You know, your home is filled with beautiful art um, created by you and Nayeli. Yeah. I think it's it's not such a core part of my of my identity. Okay. Especially because I don't practice Mm -hmm. much of anything other than sitting around and running around and yeah <laughs> running life's errands <laughs> yeah or running too yeah that's right yeah. that's right you are a runner yeah now. <laughs> yeah so art is more just in the 
in the gaze, I guess, in the mm-hmm. in the eye, and just yeah, just like appreciating those outlets, being able to cut that tree and it looks decent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, yeah, I would say it's it's just one piece of, but I don't practice it enough. Mm-hmm. I observe it and I appreciate it, but not enough practice. Okay. Pedro, I just want to thank you again for Mm -hmm. taking this time to share about your childhood and your family and all of these wonderful things that have influenced, you know, your presence in the world. I'm glad we're family. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you acknowledging the the worth or seeing the value in my story. You know. Come on. You know. You know. Yeah. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Recipes for Grief. You can find more information about today's guest on the podcast page of your player, as well as their recipe card that's available on my website, andreasextondumas.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-S-E-X-T-O-N-D as in donut, U-M-A-S.com. If you'd like to share your recipe for grief, leave a three-minute voicemail at the following number, and your message may be played on a future episode as a listener shout-out. That number is 510-426-6041. That's 510-426-6041. Find me on Instagram and TikTok at recipes for grief. And now, here's a little advice from my grandmother. Life isn't easy. You just have to make the best of it. I really should have asked Pedro to explain imperialism when he brought it up because it was brought up a couple times, but I didn't. So I'm going to give a very brief and probably oversimplified explanation of imperialism. If it's not a term you're used to hearing, um, I think we're much more accustomed to hearing about colonialism, which means that a country literally just completely overtakes another country. Your land is my land. Yo shit is my shit, basically. The native people, the language, the culture and customs are completely eradicated. Um, The native people are often enslaved as laborers to the colonizing country. And um, people from that colonizing country physically move to the new country and settle. And so that's why they're called settlers. In imperialism, it low-key reminds me a little bit of Kanye interrupting Taylor Swift. It's like, I'm going to let you finish, but... So you can keep your culture, you can keep your language kind of, sort of, but I'm going to take your stuff. I'm going to make you sell my stuff. You know, there's a real loss of economic power. <laughs> Not to say Taylor Swift had any loss of economic power when Kanye interrupted her, but... Um. It sounds to me like an imperialism, people are not moving from the dominating country to the new country. They say, you can stay there, we'll stay over here, but we're going to take your stuff and we're going to make you sell our stuff. 
So that's a very, very overgeneralized comparison between imperialism and colonized um, colonialism. And I hope that that's helpful for the beginning of your research if you're more interested um, or if you're interested in learning more about the ways uh, dominating countries overtake smaller countries.